1911, witchcraft hysteria spread across central Pennsylvania, with dozens of superstitious citizens swearing out complaints against men and women accused of being hex or powwow doctors. In February, infamous hex doctor Elmer Palm was arrested in Berks County and charged with causing the nervous breakdown of a woman named Mrs. Madaman after he claimed that he could break every bone in the human body just by casting a spell. In December, the well-known Witch of Nuremberg, Lena Fogel, who was no stranger to jail cells herself, was found dead in her hut on a Schuylkill-Luzerne County line with a bottle of laudanum by her side. Between these local newsworthy events, however, was a bizarre story of witchcraft from Schuylkill County which made newspaper headlines across the Commonwealth. Alleging that her father, 61-year-old Howell Thomas of Tumbling Run, died as a result of a hex placed upon him by a family from Orwigsburg, Mary Isabel Thomas went to the press with a long list of peculiar incidents which she believed would prove that her father succumbed to the effects of black magic. Mary claimed that the evil spell had the power to prevent Thomas's guns from shooting, thereby leaving him vulnerable and unprotected, and that several cows had died under mysterious circumstances. While there might have been a perfectly reasonable explanation for these misfortunes, the item that caught people's attention was the daughter's claim that these mishaps began immediately after a black cat showed up on the Thomas farm. A cat that assumed monstrous proportions, growing to four feet in height before magically returning to its previous form. After these misfortunes began, the Thomas family called a witch doctor who claimed that a well-respected Orwigsburg family, the Potts, was conspiring to steal their wealth through supernatural means, warning them to be prepared for a visit from the spellcaster in the near future. Adding a new level of drama to the affair was the fact that one of Howell's daughters, Elizabeth, had married into the Potts family. Sure enough, the alleged witch from Orwigsburg, Elizabeth Howell Potts, soon came calling, armed with a black cat. It wasn't long before Howell Thomas suffered a massive stroke. Within five months, he would be dead. Howell's death came as a shock to many. He was a man who always enjoyed excellent health. Though he was a veteran of the Civil War, he refused to accept a soldier's pension. Perhaps it was because of this hardiness that Howell's family, especially brother William and daughter Mary Isabel, refused to believe that he had died of natural causes. According to William Thomas, his niece had also fallen gravely ill around the same time as Howell. Two prominent physicians examined the girl, but held little hope for her recovery. Gradually, she grew weaker, until death seemed to be sitting on the foot of her bed. This death watch continued for eight weeks until the spell suddenly broke. The demon has evidently determined to get the remainder of the family, declared William, and in this he may succeed. Howell Thomas, a native of Pottsville, was a former miner who had taken up farming later in life. From his deathbed, he insisted upon having his funeral at his old house in Pottsville, 
and this final request was carried out by his brother William, who lived at the farm, his wife Lenore, and his daughters, Mary Isabel and Elizabeth. On the morning of September 26th, Howell's remains were taken from the undertaking parlor of T.D. Bergen to the old home at 301 North 3rd Street. About two dozen guests and relatives attended what was intended to be a simple affair. There were no flowers, and mourners paid their last respects before the open casket, where Hal Thomas lay atop a lining of white silk, attired in a black suit with white shirt. But then, all hell broke loose. It was Mary Isabel who, just before the service began at three o'clock, refused to allow her sister Elizabeth into the house when she arrived with her husband, Albert, and their three children, claiming that she had been the one responsible for the hex. As soon as Elizabeth entered the house, Mary Isabel had come running downstairs, ordering her sister out of the building before swooning and falling into a dead faint. Friends were eventually able to resuscitate her with smelling salts, though Elizabeth chose to wait outside while the services continued. Afterwards, they all went to the Oddfellow Cemetery, where another dramatic scene unfolded. Elizabeth dropped to her knees at the side of the casket and wept. My God, Father, she cried. I did not know I was accused of anything until I saw it in the papers, and they wouldn't let me see you while you were alive. Mary Isabel loudly remarked that this was a lie. After the funeral, those who believed William and Mary Isabel's claim about the giant hex cat determined to find it and kill it with a golden bullet. Early before sunrise on Wednesday morning, September 27, neighbors descended upon the Thomas farm at Mary Isabel's request. According to Mary, the witch doctor had instructed her to melt a $5 gold coin and make bullets with it, as this was the only way the evil cat could be killed. The neighbors were eager to participate in this strange hunt, as many of them claimed to have seen the giant beast with their own eyes, prowling around the farm before sunrise. The hex cat, of course, failed to make its customary pre-dawn appearance that day, but the local farmers blamed themselves for this failure. Some had carried Bibles with them, and others had brought along crucifixes, and they fervently believed that they had unintentionally frightened the evil spirit away. Mary Isabel pledged to try again on her own, and her gun, loaded with a golden bullet, never left her side. On September 30th, it was reported that the infamous Hex Cat had been captured and was in the possession of a Pottsville furniture store manager named Kelleher. When the newspaper sent a reporter to the scene, Kelleher stated that it was one of his salesmen, Charles Lawless, who had heard the wailing of a small child in distress while passing through Tumbling Run. Lawless traced the cries to a hollow tree trunk and found a cat he believed to be the diabolical feline, which he trapped in a box and brought back to the store. The following morning, workers entered the store and found everything a shambles. According to Kelleher, the horses for the wagons refused to eat, and a telephone refused to work. The crate in which the hex cat had been placed was empty, but one of the workers located it on a storeroom shelf. Fearing a bite from the magical beast, nobody had the courage to touch it, 
and one worker was so frightened that he resigned his job on the spot. After catching the cat, Kelleher decided to have it displayed inside his shop, and offered a gun loaded with a golden bullet to anyone who had the courage to shoot it. Witnesses who came to view the animal remarked that it was a medium-sized black cat and weighed around two or three pounds. While the publicity stunt worked, papers neglected to mention just how many of these curiosity seekers purchased furniture during their visit to the store. Sightings of the hex cat continued for months, though this fantastical feline always managed to escape with all nine of its lives intact. In January of 1912, it was reported that witch doctors had devised a novel plan to negate the evil spell of the hex cat by obtaining a magical cat of their own. In nearby Schuylkill Haven, local powwow doctors found themselves a hexahemorin cat, so named because it had been born on the sixth day of the sixth month of 1906, and was the sixth kitten of the litter. The theory behind this cat's magical powers was that the official Bible contained five books of Moses, even though a sixth book was written but never made the cut. This missing book of Moses featured the Witch of Endor, who supposedly bestows cats with the power of warding off evil spirits. Despite their use of the anti-hex hexahemorin cat, strange things continued to happen at the Thomas Farm to the bafflement of local witch doctors, and each tragedy, whether caused by nature or caused by witchcraft, was reported by local papers, whose curious readers thirsted for more information. Most journalists, however, scoffed at the idea of a hex. One reporter from the Pottsville Republican had visited the farm after Howell Thomas's stroke and reported that conditions may be described as pitiful, that the house was badly in need of repairs, while the animals and cattle were half-starved looking. A fine apple orchard situated on a property was untended, and the reporter noted that bushels of fruit were decaying on the ground for lack of a harvester. When asked why they hadn't sold the fruit to earn money for the basic necessities of life, the Thomas family claimed that the apples had been poisoned by the hex. The will of Howell Thomas was probated by the Register of Wills, H. H. Seltzer, in March of the following year. It was one of the shortest wills ever probated in Schuylkill County. Containing just 20 words and written on a ragged scrap of paper, the document, dated May 17, 1910, declares, To my brother, William Thomas, and my daughter, Mary Thomas, all that is mine is thine. Had the Thomas family and some of their superstitious neighbors been laboring under delusion that Elizabeth Potts had cast a magical spell? Or was there some dark family secret which inspired Mary Isabel to make such spectacular accusations against her own sister? It seems that Mary must have believed the delusion wholeheartedly, as she never recovered from the experience. Armed with her golden bullet, she remained unmarried for the remainder of her life, eventually dying in poverty at the county almshouse on May 13, 1944, at the age of 67. Strangely, Elizabeth Howell Potts, the accused witch, died 25 days later at the age of 64, preceding her husband in death by two years. Ironically, 
Both sisters are buried alongside each other at Salem Evangelical Cemetery in Orwicksburg. It was reported after her death that Elizabeth was the last surviving member of the Thomas family. One of Elizabeth's sons, Howell Franklin Potts, later became a judge of elections, a position he held for 15 years until his premature death in 1955 at the age of 48. Like his grandfather, his death was caused by a stroke. If you enjoyed this podcast, pick up a copy of my newest book, Pennsylvania Oddities, Volume 3, available now at www.sunburypress.com. Volume 3 features 30 remarkable but true stories from every corner of the Keystone State. And be sure to visit my blog, paoddities.blogspot.com, for over 600 bizarre tales of murder and mystery from the colonial era to the present day. The Pennsylvania Oddities podcast is written, produced, and narrated by Marlon Bressy. Theme music composed by Marlon Bressy. Sound effects courtesy of freesound.org. Listen to the Pennsylvania Oddities podcast on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you find your favorite program. New episodes on a 1st and 15th of every month.